All right. Good morning. Good morning, folks. Welcome to episode number 34 of the Corporate Quitters. And today, today, guys, I'm really excited. I mean, you, you've seen the title, A Gentleman and a Scholar. And I do mean that. Mr. Ali Pasha is a true gentleman in every sense of the word. And honestly, by the time this show is over, you guys are going to fall in love with him, too. Ali, what's going on, man? What's up, man? How, how you doing? That music is incredible. The way we start, I was just like, I was getting into it. I was like, yes. I saw you backstage, man. I was backstage doing the same thing. You know, I, I just feel like we have to start our morning off right. We have to start our shows off right. Starting off on the right foot helps, you know, clear a path for the rest of your day. Absolutely. So, listen, everybody probably already knows who you are. <laughs> And I mean everybody, but for the one or two people who don't, tell everyone who is Ali Pasha. Ooh, ooh, oh. <laughs> Early morning psychiatry session. Um, I'm an academic here in Montreal. I, I work on business and politics, and I also have a small ed tech startup called Lachine Institute, uh, which I've co-founded with uh, three other partners. Two of them are from Oxford. One of them is from McGill. And we help students get into Harvard, Oxford, Stanford, Yale by writing better statements. And, and initially, we started doing that by giving one-on-one -on -one coaching. But Rob, it became so much, uh, hundreds of people. So we couldn't, we couldn't manage to do it. Uh, so now we're developing an AI software to do it for us. Oh, wow. And, and, and you guys, he's, he's being very modest. He calls it a small startup. But didn't you guys just win some sort of competition and award? Yes, we did. Small <laughs> yes, startup. Did I update that? Yeah, we won. We won. We won. A, so we're part of the incubator here at HEC Montreal, which is Canada's leading business school. And we're in the incubator as well because initially it was just four of us working as independent consultants. But we came together and said, let's make a company out let's actually make a business so for that joining an incubator really helps because they facilitate you and every other week they have these competitions and you win prizes and you pitch in front of your peers and judges so we won that one and just last week we won the second one so fingers crossed we keep doing well but yeah there's a target on our back rob i'm not gonna lie there's a target and everybody's like lachine institute we're like sorry we're like this we're like sorry so, so the small startup is winning awards, and, and the founders are from where? You said Yale and Harvard? I know, uh, McGill and Oxford. Uh, McGill and of, Oxford, sorry. Three of, us, so three of us are Oxonians, and one of us is from McGill. So those are all top universities. Uh, we do have two partners who are from Harvard, but we're, we're, we haven't officially taken them on. They're just in advisory capacities for now. So we're, we're gathering all these you know, top-tier universities, uh, alumni and we're saying listen we know how to get in let's tell other people but let's use a machine learning artificial intelligence software which makes it easier to reach thousands because i catered to 250 odd people 240 last year and i was exhausted imagine giving them each two to three hours i was just like good lord this is so tiring i need a machine to do it so yeah Wow. And so now you've dedicated your life to helping students get into those top tier schools by improving yes, their writing skills. Absolutely. Absolutely, sir. That's pretty amazing because I think 
I think we all want to do something that's bigger than ourselves, and I think yep. that's what you're doing. <clears throat> so now yeah, absolutely. I think I think it was. I think you shared a post about this recently, of finding a cause. Was it you? Was it was it Carl? No, I remember seeing it. Try to associate yourself. Oh, maybe it was Phil. Try associating yourself with a cause that is bigger than you. So yeah, the the goal, Rob, is do you know. To go to Harvard or Yale or Stanford, people pay inordinate amounts of money, student debt for 10 years. We kind of want to break that. The bigger goal is to say to all these universities, listen, the customer, uh, the student is the customer, the, the vendor is the professor, but most of the money goes to some someone else. What's up with that? So we're kind of challenging that status quo or and institutions are very centralized. This is Oxford. This is where the power is. And we're trying to decentralize that a bit. So this is just the first year. Hopefully in five years' time, I'll be able to give you some really good news about we've signed this with Harvard, this with Oxford, and this is what they've been agreeing to do. So let's see, man. Yeah, well, and I think the prevailing attitude of most people is that you have to be rich in order to go to these schools or you have to come from a family where you can get in as a legacy. But that's not necessarily true, is it? No, absolutely. Once you get in there, <clears throat> I would say 80 to 90% of students are actually those students. And you say, oh, why did you come to Oxford? Well, my father was at Oxford and his father before him. You get that. True. And, you, and you, then you get the odd ones like me, which is probably 5 to 10%, who don't have any legacy, who just got there on merit or filled a quota, if we're being very frank because they needed diversity. So they said, let's take this fellow instead of that fellow. So that also happens. But the goal is to expand that more and break that existing, shall I say, hegemony that, that they have on it. So yeah, fingers crossed. We don't expect it to be an easy fight, but a fight is what we're ready for. And it's time to change things. With the, with the pandemic, we've already seen that a lot of education can happen abroad. I know people who got into Johns Hopkins, who got into Harvard, Stanford, who are still in India, still in China, still haven't visited, but finished a year of education, distance learning. So the, the structure is breaking, thank God. Yeah, so let, let's talk about this again. You're not just talking about it. You actually... Did it? You, and for the people over in the West who don't understand what Oxford is, because not everyone knows, Oxford is an Ivy League university, much like Harvard, Yale, or Stanford, except yep. for it is in England. Yep. So getting into Oxford, especially without having a legacy or without being extremely wealthy, is a huge deal. Yes, it is an extremely huge deal. Absolutely. So for you, it, it it didn't really start out like that, though, right? Because I mean. There was a point in time in your life where you kind of lost everything you had and owned and were and had to just pack up and leave everything and everyone you loved. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If I could if I could take you back a few years ago, this is 2016, July 16th. I was living in Turkey in the capital, Ankara. I was a full-time PhD student and a full-time employee with the Turkish Ministry of Science. And I was working as a policy advisor. And that's when, on the 16th of July, uh, failed. Well, it's failed now, but at that time, we didn't know. It was a military coup attempt against the president. 
And and this conjecture about whether he orchestrated it or it was an actual coup, but we don't know. But what ended up happening is eight years of work that I had put in my life there came crumbling down. The degree stopped, the job stopped, and I was just sitting. I was like, what just happened? What's interesting, Rob, is that Helicopters were flying over our building. Airplanes were flying. Shooting was happening. And I was on the phone with my father on WhatsApp. And, and do you know what he said? He said, I think I think I hear a helicopter. And I said, no, I don't hear anything. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I hear a helicopter. Maybe it's just routine. And then an hour or so later, I got a text from my dad on WhatsApp saying, I think you're having a coup. I was like, no, no, no. So, you know, it's in the news before the civilians know it. And I was like, no, no, nothing like that. And then WhatsApp stopped working. And then Facebook stopped working. And everything stopped working. I think Reddit was working or one other thing. And we were just like, what's happening? So I have a go bag as someone uh, of your uh, intelligence and understanding knows that a go bag is very useful. So I have a go bag. Um, and it had my passport, my degrees. Uh, my, some money and a spare change of clothes. And I had it and, I, and I, I, I lived on the ground floor. And I thought, if this building falls, I'm taking this bag and running away. That, that's where I was. And, and in Montreal, I live, I live on the fourth floor. So I have a go wallet and I'll just carry it and I'll just jump out if something happens. But thankfully that doesn't happen in Montreal. So I had a go bag and I was just ready. I was sitting like this next to the door in my lobby and just staring out of the window and waiting. If something happens, I'm running. Uh, but thankfully, we survived. Um, and yeah, uh, next day, everything's just here and there. Within a month or so, I think thousands and thousands of army professionals, lawyers, judges, and professors, anybody who could ideate or mobilize against the prime minister was jailed. So I, I, yeah, a lot of my faculty, a lot of the people I know, they were fired. Uh, I remember going to the university and speaking to my supervisor and he said, just lay low for a while. And I said, what do you mean I'm studying? I'm, no, just lay low. We don't know what's going to happen. So yeah, uh, I, I tried for a couple of months um, and then, then I left. Then I left. I thought, you know what? Eight years down the line, lesson learned, leave. Wow. And and so then you escaped there and you went to Canada. No, I came to England because my family, uh, okay. my parents are in England and I was in England for, because I had absolutely no idea where to go. So a bit of background, I was born in Pakistan, but I grew up in England and I was studying and working in Turkey. And if anyone's been to Turkey, you know why you would stay there. The food's great. The climate's great. The people are wonderful. Europe is right there. Asia's right there. It's just it's just a wonderful bridge. And Rob, if you haven't been, I really think you should go. And if you do plan to go, I'll be there uh, this summer. So would love to show you around. Hey, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. The food's incredible, isn't it? So I was, I, I was there and I left and I had no idea to go back to Pakistan, to go to England, to go to a new country. So my parents said, just, just come and stay with us for a couple of months while you get your head straight because everything was gone. And I, I was lost for... I would say about a year and a half, just completely. And I was like, what do I do? What? Because eight years is not a short amount of time. And I, every time I would think back to a reference, I would like, over there in Turkey. And then I would think, I was like, what, where do I start? So, 
So I, I stayed in England and I was I was with my parents. And then one day I just decided uh, a friend of mine got into the University of Oxford from Turkey. He had also fled and then he got into Oxford and I wrote to him saying, did you, get, did you actually get into Oxford? It's the best university in the world. And he said, yeah, I got in. And I said, I want to go as well. How did he do it? <laughs> so he kind of coached me on this is what you can write this is how this is what they're looking for and that was my step into this coaching space because i was like wow i didn't know that i didn't know that so i applied and i got in and i got two scholarships and i came wow big shock yeah i know and, and i bet your parents must have been shocked surprised and proud all at the same time absolutely they had no see the thing was we we never we, we we can never see ourselves through our parents' eyes, and more often than not, they're more worried about you than you are about yourself. And you just don't realize it unless you've looked after someone else. So I was just like, "What do I do with my life?" But I would see my parents just be like, "We know our son is capable. He works hard. He's a smart kid. But what does what should he do? If they could find me a solution, they'd find it for me, and yeah. they couldn't see it." So they were very worried. So when Oxford happened, the first thought was, okay, all these universities are very expensive. What do we do? Should we put our own money in it? And I said, no, let's, let's try to see if we can get some scholarships or grants. Let's try. So, so every time you've seen all my posts on LinkedIn, all the videos, all the polls, they're all about giving it a try, just trying. You want to go to Harvard? You know what? Just try. You never know you might get in. I'm living proof of that. So so the Oxford thing was just a shot in the dark. I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. If I get rejected, it's understandable. It's the best university in the world. If I don't, though, if I do get in, I'm going to milk it for everything I can. <laughs> exactly. So if you guys are just joining us, we're on episode number 34 of The Corporate Quitters with a gentleman and a scholar. Ali has just told us a riveting story of how he lost everything while in Turkey. And then he went back home to live with his parents in England for a little while. And he got into Oxford University, which, for those of you in the West, it is equivalent to Yale, Harvard, etc. It is an Ivy League school. So this is a big deal because he didn't have a family lineage there. He's not rich unless, you know, he's just not telling us about his wealth. But what he is wealthy in is knowledge, good spirit, good cheer. And again, a scholar and a gentleman. And so we have a few people here with us today. Liz, Liz was celebrating your incubator success. Thank you. Incubator success. She says, woohoo, incubator yeah. success story. It doesn't happen that often, but when it does, man, it should be celebrated. Yes, sir. Now, Liz also says that she had challenges with writing skills in high school so badly that she was going to fail English. Wow. And then she had some wonderful tutors. And, and that's why I think what you're doing is so important, because with a lot of things in life, you just need to learn the secret key or you need to learn how to put that puzzle together. Most things that we want to do, we can achieve. You just yeah. got to find the right person to help you along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's just, well, Ali, thank you for sharing this story. Amazing. Thank you so much, Liz. Well, 
uh, we'll be in touch with you as well. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, Rob. See, the thing is, if somebody comes to you and starts asking about auditing or about quitting the corporate world, you could tell them a thousand things, can't you? Because you've been through the gamut, and and we just don't we just don't realize that uh, that every single day new people are entering. Here's just a fact that we function on. Just the top 10 universities, half a million people apply every year for grad school. Half a million. Wow. And, and we keep our numbers very conservative, very like, oh, we're not looking at a million yet. But hopefully by next year, with this AI and proper marketing, we're looking to cater to a million across the world. And this is just the English language. Next comes French, then Chinese, then Arabic. So we were like, you know, people do do this, but let's let's make a deal. Let's make it a real business. And 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 I and I'll be very frank because we're really good friends, and I'll share this with you. As soon as I started putting out Lachine, we'll do this for cheaper, for free. All our content is free. I've been contacted by thirteen different academic consultants in their veiled threats, but also references to, uh, hey, why didn't we work together? Why are you going for free? Maybe we could do this. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't know. So how much do you charge? Oh, I charge $1,000 per session. You could too. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, I'm good. I am good. Because we, we had this larger goal behind what we wanted to do. We, we didn't want to milk. See, students are not making money. Is their parents who help them, and students are just getting out into the job market. And to expect them to pay a thousand, two thousand per session. I don't know if you've seen the Netflix uh, documentary. What, what what was it? Uh, Varsity Blues or something? There was a scandal yeah. about the side door. That's a real thing, Rob. That's oh, a yeah. real thing. Yeah, people will pay to get into a good school. I mean, I worked in higher ed for about fifteen years, and. It is amazing to see the things that people do to get into school. That's why it's so admirable that now you're taking what you've learned yeah. to get into Oxford and now helping other people realize their dreams of getting yeah. into the school of their dreams. Absolutely. But wait a minute now. So there's even more good news, though. So you, you ready to tell the people about what happened recently or what's about to happen, what's about to happen soon to you? Yes, sir. Okay. We're about to see you on the big stage somewhere. A really, really, really big stage. Yeah. All right. So if you're here and you're listening and you want to hear the good news, the big news, drop a yes into the chat for me. We'll see if people want to hear the really big news from Ali, because I think what we've heard so far about you being in Turkey, overcoming a coup in Turkey, losing everything that you own, having to go stay with your parents for a while, then getting into Oxford University. I think this next round of news is so big, yeah. so, so big that everyone needs to hear it, but everyone needs to want to hear it. And we've got a few more people here. Usama is here and he says, Usama, what's up? That's right. Usama calls us living legends. That's what I call him. So I don't know. Absolutely. Will we all be living legends. <laughs> There's so many living legends here. <laughs> now, Usama also says, let's go. So he's ready for the news. He is ready for the news. And Effie is here and he says, yes, sir. He's ready for the news, too. All right. Effie right, right. Bilgin is from Turkey. I, I, I think I recall who that is. Yeah. Nice to see you, Effie. Nice to see you. Good. Deal. Wonderful, wonderful kid. Good deal. 
So we've got people here from all over the world. We have uh, Gunawan Omar. Gunawan. Yeah. Yes. He says, hello, friends. He's from Deepak. Indonesia. Thanks. We're glad that you were able to join us because, again, we are talking to the gentleman and the scholar who's overcome a lot of adversity, which, by the way, the corporate quitters is not about quitting your job. It's about quitting the limiting beliefs in your head that are holding you back. Absolutely. A man Ali has quit a lot of limiting beliefs and has achieved a whole lot. So, drum roll. Let's tell the folks what's coming up for you now, Ali. <clears throat> I am giving a TED Talk on the 2nd of April. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the platform. I'm giving a TED Talk here at HEC Montreal, which is a business school. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really happy to do it. And it's all about this. It's all about overcoming fear by taking action and not worrying about too many consequences. And, and, the, and the whole theme of the conference is, what do we do now? We've spent two years in a pandemic. What do we do now? And my response was, well, we dive in headfirst with blind faith and, and, and uh, in, into, into the unknown. Um, and I, I told them about my story because going to Oxford was a shot in the dark. Moving to Canada was a shot in, in the dark. Applying to the incubator was a shot in the dark. Setting up Lachine, all of these things just happened. Even this TED talk was just a trial that, you know what? I have a message. It's been published before, but I want to share it from a big stage. I've spoken in Oxford, spoken at Harvard. Now this is the time. Let me just try it. You know what? If they say no, I understand. It's TED. If they say no, I'll understand. But let's just try it. So my whole message in my talk is going to be, you know what? What do you have to lose? The beauty of the pandemic, if there is one, is that when you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So if, if, do you know what? If five years from now, somebody's looking at your CV and says, where were you in 2021? You'd, you can just go, pandemic. Oh yeah, I remember that. And that's a clean slate. So whatever you've been doing in life, use this these two years as a clean slate. And if you wanted to take a risk, now is the time. Because when the chips are down, that is when you have the chance of really, really developing, really hitting success stories. So that, that's my advice in the talk in a lot of detail, tying it to moments of my life. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad because it was a leap of faith, big leap of faith. I tell you what, you call these shots in the dark. These were shots in the dark, but I, I think it needed somebody like you to just shine a light on all of the things that can be possible if you have faith and you overcome fear. Absolutely. I mean, I when, when you told me about the TED, man, I'm, I'm just so excited for you. And I think you know, again, the title of this episode, A Scholar and a Gentleman. Thank you, sir. For me, that's who you are. You are the, 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 the quintessential example of a true gentlemen. So now in your story, we were where you were in England. So now how did you end up in Canada? So yeah, excellent question. So for those of you living in the North American continent, don't, if you don't know, England went through a referendum 
a few years ago called the Brexit vote or Britain's exit from the European Union. So when that happened, the whole economy kind of took a shake and they said, okay, what are we doing now? A lot of people went back to Europe. A lot of people stayed. Uh, what are the foreign policies? So that is one aspect. And then the pandemic hits you. They both happen at the same time. So the whole British economy and the job market kind of suffers. And I was there, fresh graduated from Oxford with merit, with a job. And I was working and I thought, you know, I don't, I don't see this panning out really well. I, I see this country struggling. So again, a leap of faith. I applied to immigrate to Canada as a, re as a resident, not as a student, not as an employee. I said, look, I have enough work experience. I have sufficient money to go and sustain myself. I'm just going to go because Canada, as you know, Rob, is a huge country. It has 10 provinces, territories. It's, it's, it's huge. England is very, very small, <laughs> being very honest. And the population is twice the size of Canada. So I thought, you know what, if, just, um, if I'm playing my odds, I'll just move to Canada. And I've always been in love with uh, Montreal because Leonard Cohen is from here. And uh, I, used to, I used to love this author called Yann Martel, who wrote a book called Life of Pi. So he used to live, he used to live in Montreal at the time. And I remember in the back of the book, it said, Yann Martel lives in Montreal, Quebec. So I was like, Ooh, what's Montreal? When I was very young. So I had this in my mind. So I moved here and I was able to do so successfully uh, during the pandemic. And I moved and I had nothing. And I would reach out to offices. I was like, do you have work? I have these skills. And they said, no, we have nothing. No, nothing at all. So then I decided to say, you know what, why am I waiting for offices to give me something? I have a special set of skills that make me a nightmare. So I have a special set of skills. Why can't I, why can't I use that? So that's where Lachine started. Wow. Yeah. Another wow. shot in the dark. It was, it was a leap of faith. If I didn't get it, I'd be like, okay, England it is waiting for the pandemic, waiting for Brexit, waiting for this, or shall I try a new country? So it's, I've just been jumping sideways with, with whatever life is throwing and pivoting, as our friend Valerie Mackey talks about, pivoting at the right, at the right moment. And so far, so good, surprisingly, because this isn't what you learn in school, is it, Rob? In school, you have to be secure, you have to do this, you have to follow this tried and tested path, fair enough. But a lot of times, there is this thing in politics that we call exogenous shocks, like shocks that happen from outside, which you have no control over. We didn't have anything to do with the pandemic. We didn't have anything to do with the Brexit vote or with anything that happens politically, but it affects us. So how do we deal with that? So for that, you need to be secure, but also remain relatively nimble. Like You can be flexible and adapt. So my policy of always having a go bag or a go wallet is exactly that. If something happens, I know I can look after myself, just like so, that. So let me ask you a question. Was there was there ever a time that you wanted to just give up? Yes, right after the coup, because I would call my office, I would call my boss, and she'd be at home. Uh, and I said, boss, what are you doing home? She said, well, we've, we've been told to stay home. And I say, but what? I was still getting paid. Oh, we're still getting paid. Okay. It's so weird because I like working. 
So I was like, okay, one month off, take a break. But when it's seven months off and you're still at home and you're like, yeah, this is great. I'm getting paid, but I'm not doing squat. What am I doing? Am I just waiting? So I would go meet friends and it's it was horrifying not to be able to do something. And then you realize, okay, then purpose is something that really matters to people. Because if money was the case, I was getting enough money to travel every month to a new city, but it wasn't enough. I'm not a nomad. So travel also has purpose. You don't travel aimlessly. Well, at least I can't. Yes. So, th so there is always like, if I come to America, I need to go to Memphis. Well, I've been twice, but I've never been to Memphis. And I need to go to Atlanta. And there's a few cities that I need to see because for some reason uh, they have value to me. So that's purpose. And after seven months, I was just I was just done. And I called my parents and I said, I'm thinking about leaving. What do you think? And they said, we thought you, you would have left six months ago. Why wait? So, so I left. But yeah, I was for that time and for the next year and a bit, I just didn't know what to do. I was completely lost. And I remember what that feels like when you're living in one country, but you're also looking at 190 others. Maybe I can move there. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I have these skills, but I don't know where to start because to work, you need some sort of history in a place. You can't just be dropped in. So yeah, I was, I was very lost. And I, and when people come to me and they share, share these experiences, that is probably one of the strongest things I can empathize with. So one of my private clients just got a job at Shopify, a, a, a big position. And he came to me two months ago and I've asked his permission. I'm not sharing his name yet, but I'll do a post. And he shared with me and he was thinking of applying to Shopify because he had a job but he wasn't being fulfilled. He just wasn't. So uh, he asked me, I'm thinking of applying to Shopify. And I said, you know what? You just try it. If they don't take you, they don't take you, but you never regret actions that you take. You always regret the ones that you don't take. So just take a chance. And he had four or five interviews back to back and he got in just last week. And I was so damn proud of him because he was in that zone of darkness like, what do I do with my life? I have a job. I have a family. I have a house. It's not enough. It's clearly not enough. I'm made for something more. Wow. So you guys look, we're on episode number 34 of the Corporate Quitters, and we are here with a gentleman and a scholar, Ali Pasha, who has just told us a story about, well, losing everything in Turkey when a coup happened and moving back to England and then coming all the way to the Western world, to Canada, with nothing. Now, I would ask, why didn't you choose the U.S.? But we won't go there. Why Canada? No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. But, uh, but no, um, and, and, and you know what? Ali just announced that he's going to be doing a TED Talk. Now, in this TED Talk, he's going to be talking about placing faith over fear. Just do it. Don't be afraid in life. So with that said, talk to us about the importance of faith to you, because what a lot of people don't know is on LinkedIn, you actually hold um, religious based live shows and you used to do them every morning. Now, what are you, when are you doing them now? Every Friday, 
every, every Friday. Every morning a bit heavy. So now I do them every Friday, absolutely. Okay, yeah. So talk to, talk to us about the importance of faith to you. Yes, sir. I can actually refer a bit to um, the life of Jesus Christ or the life of Muhammad or the life of Moses. Incidentally, I was watching Exodus last, last night, with the one with Christian Bale about Moses, because I tend to love those stories, whether someone believes in God or doesn't, is, is irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. What matters to me is the story and this whole thing about purpose that I was just talking about. So we see this in all the all the great people that we've seen in history, religious or, or political or academic or not. So I was, because I'm a Muslim, I was looking at the life of Muhammad, uh, peace be upon him, uh, who's the prophet of Islam. And I was like, why the story starts that one day at, at the age of 40, he was in a cave in the middle of the night and an angel, great Gabriel, spoke to him. And that's where it starts. And I am 34. I'm going to turn 35 in a couple of weeks. And I, and I was wondering, why at 40, when you have a wife and daughters, a thriving business, great respect in society, what would drive you to sit in a cave in the middle of the night? And we have similar stories with Moses. We have similar stories with Jesus and Noah. What would drive, when you have achieved what you have in life, what would drive you in that direction? So I started reading the Quran in chronological order. The Quran isn't arranged that way. It was revealed in one way and then arranged in a different manner. So I started reading it and I thought, this makes so much sense. I'm going to share it with the world. And what's interesting, Rob, is that people from India, Turkey, England, America, people who are Christians, people who are black, white, orange, God knows whatever color, they all write to me on LinkedIn or Facebook and they say, you said something which really struck a chord with me. I want to share what I think. And I'm just blown over because I wasn't doing these. Normally, the stuff we do on LinkedIn is for engagement and traction and building a profile and influencing and helping our LinkedIn family. This was just for me and God. For me to say, hey, God, this is one of your books. I'm reading it in front of the world. And I'll try to understand it because I'm a rationalist before anything else. So I'll try to read it rationally and, and see what I agree with and see what I don't. Once I finish the Quran, I'm going to come to the Bible. When I finish the Bible, I'm going to go to the Vedas, which is the Hindu, Hindu religious text. And I'm going to cover all of them because I'm interested in you. Where do you live? What do you do, God? Uh, I need to know you better because once I get to know you, I might know myself better. So that's how it started because I... I, I have friends who are atheists. I have close friends who are Christians, non-Muslims, and so forth. I am not tied to religion. I'm tied to divinity. I'm tied to I'm tied to the universal constant, whether you call it God or whether you call it the quantum fluctuation. I am tied to that 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 spirit that that churns the ocean that makes the world go round. So that's where faith comes from. So every time there is a setback. And I encourage people to experience failure again and again because it makes you realize how inconsequential failure is. It doesn't mean anything. And for that, you need to have faith at the center of where you believe. Okay, you failed today. Denzel had this, Denzel Washington had this wonderful thing. And he was accepting a Lifetime Achievement Award or something. And he said, fall down seven times, get up eight. 
that's a very Denzel way of saying it. And, and it just sums it up so perfectly. It just, resilience is based on faith. Resilience has its, its basis in faith. If you have that, it can't, it can't destroy you. Nothing can destroy you. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think what's really important is not only do you talk about placing faith over fear, you've done it in so many instances. We've talked about several of them today, but I think one of the most important ones was or is the religious series that you do on LinkedIn, because if you think about it, there's so many people that will come on and say to you, this belongs on Facebook. Why is this here? But I found that you talk about it in an extremely inquisitive and respectful manner because you're trying to figure out how can we as an individual, as a society, become better people. So that's why I wanted to make sure that we brought it up today. And I wanted to make sure that we didn't close this out without talking about it because that's every Friday at what time? But normally between 10 and 12 Eastern. Uh, but but it varies sometimes, sometimes, because I'm working as well. So, But every Friday, and it's not an easy task, Rob, because, you know, the Quran has 114 chapters, uh, but uh, some chapters are hundreds of verses, hundreds. And right now I've just been doing the, because the early ones were very small, so five verses, seven. There's a, there's a chapter in the Quran that's 200-odd verses. So I'll have to break it down. So I am tied to this. For the next two years, every Friday for the next two years. And when I started, I was like, am I ready for this? And that was another leap of faith. You don't think, you say, I will be ready for this. I will make time. I don't care what is happening. If I have an internet connection and a camera, I'm going to do it. If I don't have it, if I just have a camera, I'm going to record it and upload it later. But there is no freedom that I'm giving myself. I have to do this and I'm going to do it. So that's that's the kind of motivation I try to encourage into people as well. Don't give yourself a second chance. Don't give yourself a way out. Tie yourself into it and you'll find out that you end up succeeding. It just It's shocking why it works that way, but it does. Yeah. All right. So, Ali, we've got a few people here. Gunawan says, it is amazing and inspiring. And Usama says, I truly love the enthusiasm and passion of Professor Ali. Thank you so much. And Usama also says, oh boy, I am loving this conversation. It was somewhere previously where he said he wants to hop on a Zoom call with you soon. So happy to do it, uh, Usama. Yeah, make sure we get that happening because uh, again, you guys, episode number 34 of The Corporate Quitters, a gentleman and a scholar, Mr. Ali Pasha, who's talked about losing everything, not once, but really twice, essentially, in his life and starting over, but being driven by faith and placing faith over fear. And within that, he started Lachine Institute, where he helps students to get into the college of their dream, not just any college, the premier college, wherever you are in the world. So he's taken his gifts and the lessons that he's learned in life, and now he's helping others to build a good foundation in life. So Ali, before we close out, let me ask you, if I'm a student, and I need help getting into the college of my dreams. Where can we find you and find out more information about what you guys are doing? 
Thank you for that, uh, Rob. Such kind, such kind words. Um, so our website is being remodeled because now we're adding an AI component. And as you know, technology has a lot of iterations that it has to go through. So we try something, then we improve, try it, improve. So for now, just use my LinkedIn and uh, I'll, you can, uh, Lachin also has a LinkedIn presence. So just write to us um, and we're happy to help. And within, within a month or two, our website will be back on lachineinstitute.com. It will be back up um, and then it will be filled with a lot of free content that you can access. You can access our editor. You can access everything on the website. And then it's going to, yes, Gunawan, please do, do, do connect. Um, uh, so it's going to have a lot of education content and we're going to develop it further. We're going to have interviews by professors, uh, interviews by alumni, question answer sessions, which really inform students. So the thing is, um, you can give somebody this advice once and it, it's, it may be enough, but it isn't because every day the fields are changing. So what's relevant in auditing today may not be relevant two years down the line. So we try to keep it very up to date with always interviewing professors and alumni and practitioners on where the needle is today. So what are we talking about? So if anybody joins a politics degree today and they don't know anything about Ukraine or the Ottawa protests, that means they're not in the right field. Or that means they need to be better equipped if they're applying to Harvard or something. So, so we try to keep those arguments very relevant and produce a lot of content and have this online editor. So LinkedIn for now, but the, but the website very soon. Awesome. So you guys, everyone, go connect with Ali. You can find him on LinkedIn. What I'm going to do is drop the link to his pro. Well, actually, you can see his profile in yep. um, the event here. Now, Leah says very insightful. She hopes to see the TED Talk. We all hope to see Thank this TED Talk. Thank you so much. We all hope to see this TED Talk. Well, my friend. Thank you for joining me. It's it's been an honor, man. This is uh, yeah. this is episode 34. But by far, to any of the people in the past, don't feel bad. This is my favorite one because <laughs> honestly, Ali is one of my favorite people. Uh, so until next time, let's wait for episode 35. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Corporate Quitters Podcast. If you like us, tell everybody you know. Better yet, head on over to the iTunes store and leave us a five-star review. It only takes a few seconds. I can do it with my eyes closed and both hands tied behind my back. So what are you waiting for? If you want to talk to us, leave us a voice message. You might be featured on the show. Check the link in the show notes. Want to carry us wherever you go? Check out the merch on our work website. Get your I quit, old quit, or just plain quit stuff there. If you really, really like us, you can become a monthly contributor for less than a cup of coffee. Link is in the show notes. And last but not least, quit those limiting beliefs that are holding you back. And we're out. <laughs>